This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Oh, this is just something I worked up. Uh, I'll do it for you. Maybe like it, maybe you don't. Hello, I'm Jake and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast, the podcast where we take plays, films and more that have never been staged before or are never likely to be staged again and we talk about how we'd stage them. As always, I'm joined by Caleb. Hello, how are you doing, Jake? I'm good, I'm good. We, we, know, we rarely ask each other how we're yeah, doing. Yeah, I know. How, how I are just... you, Caleb? Yeah, I'm, I'm all right, yeah. Yeah, I think it's because, you know you know why I think we don't do it? I think it's because it's flipping boring for the listener. We can move on, we can move on and introduce our wonderful guest this week, which is director Izzy Poole. Hello. Hello. How are you, Izzy? I'm really good, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm great. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, and... Uh, what are you? What are you up to at the moment? Tell us about. Tell us about yourself. You're a director. What do you direct? Uh, what do I direct? Uh, so I'm I'm at drama school uh, in a pandemic, which is all the banter, all the fun. Um, walking around the space in my bedroom at the moment. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I'm doing. Recently, have trained as a clown, um, and I'm about to assistant direct a production of Rent. And I'm currently directing uh, a 20-minute play by the fabulous Mark Ravenhill called Yesterday an Incident Occurred. Will we be able to see them? You will. You almost certainly will because they will be streamed. And Izzy, you have brought us uh, a film to do, which is Nanny McPhee. Indeed, it is. Yes. What made you choose Nanny McPhee out of interest before we dive in? I love it. I love Emma Thompson really intensely. And I think I think Nanny McPhee is incredibly fun and I don't know I think at the moment with theatres being shut it's quite like I didn't want to pick anything too heavy or too depressing because that's not what I want to see right now you know and I think there's something about Nanny McPhee that um it's just it's silly it's stupid it's absolutely stupid and I think something about like watching it as an adult you realize how ridiculous it is but would I pay to see it Absolutely. <laughs> nice. Uh, Nanny McPhee is uh, written uh, by Emma Thompson based on the Nurse Matilda books by Christiana Brand. And it was directed by Kirk Jones uh, in 2005. It stars Emma Thompson as uh, the titular Nanny McPhee um, and as well as Colin Firth, uh, Angela Lansbury, Kelly MacDonald and uh, a whole array of uh, child actors with having had various sort of um, fame since then. Um, I Yeah, it, it did pretty well at the time. And uh, yeah, Jake was saying like, this is one of the rare like f- family films we're doing that he saw in the cinema. I saw it, in, I remember seeing it in the cinema, I'm pretty sure at like one of those like kids club screenings that they used to do. <laughs> it's, yeah, very much. I feel like it, for a lot of um, people our age that are British, this will have been a big part of their, their childhood, I'd imagine. It's, it is like... I mean, I I hesitate to make the comparison to Mary Poppins because Jake will tell me off for that. But um, but it was like our Mary Poppins in some way because I think it was like it's all that magic and whimsy of that yeah. kind of story, that kind of fairy tale, um, and it was told for like our generation, I suppose. For um, sure, for sure. 
Do you want to give us a, a rundown of the plot, Izzy, before we dive into how we'd stage this? Yeah, okay. So um, we have Mr. Brown, played by Colin Firth, um, who has seven incredibly naughty children. Um, and his wife has recently died um, when the film begins because they've got like a baby. Um, and yeah, basically the wife is dead. He is uh, an undertaker or something, works works in a funeral parlour. Um, and basically he's at his wits end because his children are just completely out of control and they have a string of nannies who all um, quit within a day, a couple of days because the children sort of do pranks and things to get rid of them. We then have a weird kind of m- magical voice which appears saying, the person you need is Nanny McPhee, which like <laughs> appears, thank you for the laugh there, Jake, um, that appears a few times um, because Nanny McPhee is magic um, and keeps hinting that that Colin Firth needs her. Um, and so she appears and she basically straight away uh, walks in and the children are, I think there's a, like the baby uh, is in like a big, a big casserole dish. I think they're pretending they're eating the baby, but it's actually a chicken. Like it's all over the place. Um, and Nanny McPhee basically cracks the whip and kind of, intervenes uh with a series of five lessons um i can't remember all of them off the top of my head (laughs) i was was gonna be very impressed Uh, okay number one is like go to bed when you're told number two is get up when you're told number three is get dressed when you're told or get dressed how you're told and i think number four i think there's one to do with please and thank you please and thank you Uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 but there's these there's these lessons and also kind of problematically now maybe for a restaging but nanny mcphee has like five massively like ugly i'm doing uh, quotation marks for the listeners uh facial features like she has like a buck tooth warts and one of them disappears every time the children complete one of these lessons um in the meantime uh mr brown is completely bankrupt and is being funded by uh his his mother's aunt i think who says that he has to marry within a month or um she will stop the money and the children will have to go to the workhouse so he ends up marrying uh celia imry who plays this horrifically loud and obnoxious woman um but he's actually in love with evangeline who is the scullery maid uh who has her own little journey where she goes like a very my fair lady vibe where she goes from sort of uneducated to prim and proper. Um, and in the end, everything works out. The children learn the lessons. Nanny McPhee helps them. Uh, and Mr. Brown, Colin Firth, marries his scullery maid. So the money continues and it's a very happily ever after situation. Perfect. I think you covered it all. Yeah. Ends with a food fight. Ends with a food fight. Yeah. It's like the kids learn to be to behave, but the adults learn to have fun as well. Yeah, it's like a nice little... and I think like going through the plot, it's actually funny like how little it is actually about Nanny McPhee. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, until I yeah, said, yeah. It, I think her name came out of my mouth like three times. Like she's not, I guess, but that's the whole point. Like it's not really about her. No, yeah. Well, because the the sequel as well is like is more to do with the story of that family and that time period than it is to do with Nanny McPhee. She's just there to kind of help the story be told, I suppose. Mm. Apparently, uh, Emma Thompson wrote a third sequel yeah set in space what <laughs> no that's a lie yeah, that no. is a lie she wrote <laughs> she wrote uh, a third movie which was set in the present day yeah. maybe space but 
it would have to be space I... in the present day because I know it was set in the present nah, day, but because the yeah, um it's definitely not space. <laughs> because the second film um massively underperformed at the box office, they uh cancelled it. I'm pretty sure I read space. Maybe. I'm I'm gonna stick with space. Anyway, so that's that can be an option. How do, how anyway, would you uh... see that though? Like what do you think happens? She she nannies <laughs> think about the logistics of what you are proposing. On, she nannies Come in space. On, Fine. The person you need <laughs> is Astronaut McPhee. Fuck's <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> uh, Should we say, should we mention the fact that there is, before we go into it, that there is a stage musical that's going to be happening? Yes, probably. But we don't know anything about it. So We know nothing about it. We, it's, it's If we predict any of the, the magic and wonder they do in the theatre... They owe us money. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, they I'm sure, money, yeah. like we will just reshare this podcast when that comes out. And so Emma Thompson, if you are listening to this, then hi, you can contact us. We'll all be freelancing. (laughs) If you want us to come and work on Nanny McPhee, the stage musical with you, fine. Like I've got such a free schedule. Yeah, honestly. And whatever you do, don't go back and listen to the Love Actually episode. (laughs) Oh my goodness, no. Unless you're willing to invest in um, that horrible VR Love Actually idea we had. Well, with that in mind anyway, not the Love Actually, the fact that there is already going to be a stage version. Let's, yeah, let's get into any big ideas on how we might approach this. So I, not to shit on Emma Thompson's fireworks or whatever, but I did think, is that a phrase? that phrase rain on Absolutely. a parade not, it's not a parade it's not even slightly we can cut that like, wow <laughs> no absolutely not that, you've, you've just coined that no it's, it's, I mean I no, like it, it it's, but... it's piss on your fireworks that's the phrase it's piss on your okay. fireworks I'm going to say it again I'm going to go rain on her parade fine uh, <laughs> yeah okay so not to rain on Emma Thompson's parade uh, but when I think me and Jake initially had the conversation about me coming on the podcast and what I was going to do I was like oh Nanny McPhee I'd love Nanny McPhee to be a musical uh, and then was doing a bit of research googled it and realized that was actually going to be a real thing um so yeah for me I think it does have is in so how would I stage it I think it has the potential to be like a big full-on sort of Matilda-esque like Mary Poppins like it's a, it's a big kids musical like it has that potential um, I think there are other things you could do with it. Like, yeah, you could do it as like a promenade situation, like in a house and you've got all the kit. like there's seven kids with seven rooms and they're all doing something weird. But like, I don't know. I think that it is so fun that it would be a shame not to have songs in it. And I think because it's for kids and because the plot is kind of quite simple, I'm not sure how invested I'd be without without the songs. So yeah, I think big sort of, Priscini March musical, maybe. Mm, I, yeah, I'm all about Priscini March for this one. We we love to mess around with the idea of promenade and things like that on here, but this I think the magic of this is in it being presented as like one of the you know the spectacle of it, and that's like what you want. You want the theatricality to be such a big part of what you present yeah, to yeah. the audience. I think. Yeah, I think it's is interesting. Because part of me is like, but it's got all these set pieces and these like really cool like magic effects. You don't you don't need music. You don't need music to make it to make it like a spectacle. And I think that is true to an extent. But you're right that there are moments of like charged emotion. And there's also this thing where we've said Caleb mentioned earlier that I said uh, this is the first film I remember watching, like when I was a child as a 
like a child film that we've done film. on the podcast it's that not the first film i remember watching um, no i think i think i think i was earlier once but anyway um my point being is that when i was seven the memory that got ingrained in my head about this film was that it was like quite a complex plot with like uh like really in like intriguing like emotional stuff and like but then re-watching it yesterday i realized oh no this film is like it's in a way that like pixar doesn't do it's really for kids in the way that like there's almost nothing here for adults there's and i think we'd want to build that and we would want to add something for absolutely adults into our like stage adaptation yeah because like i don't know like the the plot of the film is read out to us in a book in the first 10 minutes yeah right and that's to any adult watching you're like okay you've just told me the plot why am i why why should i continue right um and uh like there's parts that are just kind of incoherent like um he says that the bank will take the house but then later he says that he's paying rent on that like it, there's no it doesn't like it doesn't actually make any sense um, and also the idea that you'd be renting like a country manor house in the victorian era is just bizarre anyway i will tell you though that as an adult not a problem for me i did not think oh god damn right. it he's given the house to the bank but but yeah. <laughs> right. well, we need some realistic mortgages <laughs> in this <laughs> that's what i look for in my musical theater i'm like it's not a realistic mortgage situation i'm out um, i don't know it just it like it makes it just it kind of like brushes over things like there's like the, the idea of the workhouse and like being split up is like it's like oh, that's horrible no and it I, yeah really i agree it. and like and it and it's like, and there's the the cook at one point is just like, yes, the empire, and that's the something of like 2005 thing. Lol. But like, <laughs> yeah. there's just there's just like, it it's a very romantic vision of the Victorian era, but it and it doesn't really. For the first 20 minutes, I didn't know when it was set. Oh, absolutely. I did not know until in my head, like, I I don't know when I thought it was set, but until I was like, so I was like making notes as I was watching this, uh, doing the prep, you know, uh, and like literally glanced at the wikipedia and it said like set in victorian england and i was like eh like, i was watching <laughs> it and i was like is it and then i realized that actually yeah because the costumes which like we can talk about in a bit but, like the costumes are so fun and so quirky that like it's yeah. i was like it doesn't even need it's not traditionally like victorian like you would imagine um but like going off of what jake was just saying about it being mm. massively for kids and nothing adult i think the thing that I used to love Evangeline. She's one of those characters that I just thought she was beautiful. And I remember being like, oh, she's, you know, when she comes in in that blue dress at the end, I just remember like wanting to be her. She's one of those characters Mm. when you're that age and you think, oh, she's incredible. Um, But watching it back, there is no sexual tension between her and Colin Firth, not even an ounce. And like, I was watching it on Valentine's Day. Maybe I just wanted some romance, but actually like, there is nothing between them not so much as a sexy side eye like we have no no raw raw sexual tension no chemistry so like at the end i think and i think this is something that i've only really noticed as an adult like as as a kid i was i was very much into their relationship but as an adult i thought like when he turned around and he didn't even you know when simon says there will be a wedding. You're going to marry someone. And he's like, who? It's a genuine who, because he has shown absolutely <laughs> no affection towards Evangeline. I thought it was a genuine, like, really? Like, it could have been the other one. Like, we don't know. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think I would... That is good when she goes, incest? Incest? <laughs> I think um, I would definitely add a lot of sexual tension and chemistry. Like, I'm imagining, like, right. a, like a waitress 
bad idea situation but between but i think part of that comes from uh this thing where like in the setting of the film like the her, his wife has just died and the scullery maid was already working for him when his wife was alive so it's like it's actually quite weird if you think about it like that um but anyway my point was gonna be like bringing that together like that's a that's an excellent point and bringing that kind of lack of tension together with the fact that you've got this like donkey and like cook has in my opinion kind of dame vibes absolutely i, I have um, said this yeah. it has to be a yeah. drag queen like it's yeah. a drag queen role right so yeah so this isn't really like i'm i'm not saying this is a pantomime because it's not <laughs> but it has but it has that like incredibly simplistic plot and all these like it has loads of elements of pantomime yeah. in it where it's like, a fairy you know, tale yeah, right? it's a, yeah it's a fairy tale it's a fairy tale and then i realized because I was kind of going to rail against the musical f- for the reasons I kind of started saying. And then I realized that, like, the problem with the fairy tale is that it's it's not enough on its own to just do the fairy tale. You do, you know, like with Aladdin, that kind of stuff, you do have to bring the music. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. Perfect. Fantastic. my conclusion. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I think a musical would be fun. And I think um if it's well going back to setting i think maybe this is a moment where we talk a bit about design but i think like this film going back what i hadn't realized is just how colorful and like how just like gorgeous all the production Mm. design is all the costuming all of it is just so much it's just fun and it is colorful and bright and vivid and that works so well for stage because the moment you put all of these characters on stage in these bright costumes the moment you have these like big painted sets that are like bright green bright red like these bold primary colors you you're just like inviting that like heightened excitement that the musical is asking for as well so yeah maybe we talk a little bit about how we bring this design from the film and and those elements onto the stage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it kind of reminds me of like Emma Rice's Wise Children in a way, the sort of like the bright colours, mm-hmm. the sort of fun, uh, fun element. I like that it's kind of, even the film is kind of period without being period. Um, and I think that's definitely something that I would want to keep um, in staging this. Uh, in terms of the actual sort of like big set pieces, I... I'm a sucker for like a house where you can see inside rooms. Absolutely love it. Um, I've seen it done well. I've seen it done badly. Uh, like uh, <laughs> that out of hell, the musical, which is essentially one of my favorite musicals of all time, despite potentially being actual garbage, um, has has <laughs> like a house with like two stories. And like, I mean, they use like video and you can see what's happening in the top one because they're videoing it and projecting it onto a screen. Um, but also in, I think they did have like houses with uh, levels in, uh, I don't know if either of you saw this. It is the worst musical I've ever seen. But I think it was um, <laughs> big, the musical. Oh, I, I did uh, not see that. With, no, I, no, you, you shouldn't I. have. I, I saw it when I was, <laughs> I saw it when I was like 16. It was um, Jay from the wanted and oh. Diana Vickers, just to give you, wow. you know, uh, absolutely <laughs> horrific but like because uh, it's a very like you know it's about him and his family and then he you know is a kid and becomes big or whatever it's set like in the street and they've got the houses um so yeah I think I think because there are so many kids if you don't have somewhere for some of them to go like from a logistical mm. point of view some <laughs> of the time um where are they going to go I don't know I think there's something cool about having levels to it and you can sort of see in whether you had that on the front and the back and it's on a revolve and the house can can yeah. spin would would be something 
I think would be really cool. I also was thinking about the 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 beds for the the famous scene where they all pretend to have the measles and then they actually get the measles. Um, I think in my head that's mm. a it's a big musical number. You've got a revolve. You've got the beds all set on the revolve and they're all like spinning. The kids can jump up on them. Maybe the house goes back for that. Yeah, I think lots of spinning, lots of detailed houseware i i quite like this idea of basing the design the whole the sort of basic idea of the design on a doll's house not yeah. the ibsen play but on, on a an doll's, doll's house yeah. um and uh and and having it that that sense as well that it's like it can be changed and reformed to whatever we want it to be right so you have all i like this series of rooms but they can be moved around and like pulled out in, to the front like you're saying so that like different set pieces that happen in different rooms so like the, also the scene that happens in his office where the kids are trying to stop him from uh marrying the horrible woman with whose name i've forgotten like Quickly. You, you can yeah you can pull like the office forward into like the front space and then at the end of that scene that like that whole room can be like pushed back into the like the main doll's house space so yeah i kind of like this idea as well like the the house itself has a kind of magic to it in the way that it can be formed and reformed according to like where we want to see the action and so having this big backdrop of the house and we can see all the action happening in the house but then when specific scenes are happening we can bring it forward into a, a space that has a revolve and like can bring all of that action forward to the audience i think that'd be a fun way of bringing yeah the like the whimsy of the production design i suppose yeah absolutely and i think like it's mm. even um do you remember the bit where simon goes up to nanny mcphee's room and the door is like a tiny bit open and he goes yeah. in and it's a bare room and then he like mm. classic nanny mcphee just popping up out of nowhere but she's suddenly there with a full table and a tea set like having a little cup of joe in the corner so <laughs> Like that is a set, like I think, and obviously with the whole, the person you need is Nanny McPhee and all of this. It's like she is almost outside of the whole, the whole thing. Um, So it's like, that's how I kind of see it anyway, that she's this sort of like omnipresent, like figure who can see the whole thing. So I guess the doll's house idea kind of plays into that maybe. Yeah, I think it's interesting that because I also thought of that scene just now. And it's interesting because I think there's like a plainness that follows Nanny McPhee around. She wears all black when they go when she when he goes to her room. It's a plain room, and I think that's it's like an interesting like design choice. Is like a, this magical person who can do anything she wants chooses to be like very like yeah. plain and humble. Um, well, like, does she even have a which, musical number? Yeah. Like in this musical, yeah. can you imagine Nanny McPhee having a musical number? Does no. she sing "I Dreamed a Dream"? Like, is that her equivalent? Does she have a big, <laughs> like, a big belter? In Matilda, does Trunchbull have a number? Yeah, hmm. a lot. Often with a musical, you'll have that like villain number, which is like right, a but she's not a villain. Yeah, a... <laughs> yeah, she, yeah she's um, not a villain. But... She's just kind of no, yeah. no. Uh, yeah, it's that thing of that she is almost like controlling the story or like t- you know telling the story through her own magic and actions and yeah and this not- is like i'd expect her to go and conduct a song but- yeah 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 and that's even not- you could build in like a really neat moment where she like i don't know, runs down to the orchestra pit or something and i don't know i think she could have that engagement she can almost cross that line that like barrier of theatricality in a way that no one else can if that makes right, sense yeah yeah maybe even her introduction is her coming up through the, through the audience, audience right? onto the stage she's, to she's knock almost on the door like, of the house or something. She's almost like the woman in black. 
you know maybe at some point like nanny mcphee is just sat in the stores behind you um yeah i don't know like that would be the third time this year we've we've name dropped some women in black on the podcast yeah can you relate it to every show absolutely um yeah i don't know i'm just imagining at the end she's like i did not (laughs) like from right behind you yeah i don't know i think like i yeah i can't imagine her having i don't know like i didn't really i I didn't massively think about this when i was watching it but if you condense how many lines she actually has down yeah like how how many do we think like she's probably talking for no longer than five minutes are you counting when she goes Hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's about half an hour of hmm, and then five minutes yeah. of dialogue. Perfect. No, yeah, she doesn't say much, and 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 a lot of what, yeah, a lot of her like interaction is is just like watch and then bang the staff and then that's and it's it. enough. And it's like, Do you know what I mean? Like it's kind yeah, of, and I yeah. think the the sort of mystique and the sort of like attraction to that character is that she is really aloof and. We don't know mm. much about her. She doesn't say much. She appears and we don't know where she's come from because she's not from an agency. Um, you know, and then at the end, whatever she, what, what is it that she says? You know, when when you need me but do not want me, I'll be here or whatever. But when you, definitely not not phrased like that. But Yeah, yeah, no. And <laughs> then it's when, when you, you want me, me but you do not need me. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then yeah. the, the rest. That, and yeah. then I think the final shot of the film is that we see her just walk off through a field. So there is something so mysterious about her. So giving her like a big, like an absolute banger would feel a bit weird maybe for a musical. Yeah. I, I like this idea that she, as well, I think what it does is it offers an opportunity to give more to things like the relationship between um, Mr. Brown and Evangeline, yeah. like to have like a number between them and then maybe a reprise later or even just to bring like their musical theme back into the finale in some way uh to give like the cook like her own number like it offers a way she of has a building theme, the cook in the film yeah okay so you could yeah you can build on that and like it yeah. it gives a, a way as well of if nanny mcphee is there to observe and to comment upon and to sort of guide the audience through to have her not be given a number but actually use that space that that offers up within the you know the runtime which i guess would be longer on stage um to to other characters and to developing those characters i mean giving a a a number to the aunt when she first arrives uh, or when she's like berating mr brown about getting a wife or something you know what i mean like there's there's so many opportunities there to like build more into these characters that don't get much screen time and have nanny mcphee more of as, as an observer in those situations as well well yeah and like i mean you're gonna kind of have to build up these characters because who were the ensemble for this big musical yeah do we ha- the kids the, no the kids sure but there are seven of them like is there in the book there's way more than that oh there so really we could yeah the, in, in in the book it's like um you can't count them or oh, something interesting. it's something like <laughs> okay yeah um, i'm fit- so that's, we- this is sounding like a licensing nightmare for having <laughs> child actors though <laughs> yeah. but like i don't know maybe maybe the house is not so out by itself in a country and they have some neighbors and we just create some families and you've got more kids yeah. to create an ensemble yeah but, um yeah i did think that there's a kind of lack of a lack of like other parts in it i guess but you've got like the the two like undertaker um Yes. Guys, who uh, Derek, yeah, Derek Jacoby definitely yeah. has some sort of song or something. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I had the only I didn't think too much about the individual songs. I got as far as like an establishing. Obviously, every musical has the establishing the world song, 
at the beginning yeah. like we established you know and in my head uh that was have you you know in the devil wears prada where anne hathaway does the the fashion montage where she crosses the catwalk in like all the outfits you know I would like to say I know, this but is, I've not seen Devil Wears Prada. Right, well, do you know what? Let's put this on hold. I'll take I'm your word for it. coming back to the podcast and we're doing the Devil Wears Prada. Okay, um, brilliant. Okay, so Lovely. for everyone who does, does or doesn't know what I'm talking about, there is a really famous scene in the Devil Wears Prada where Anne Hathaway starts to like her job as a fashion queen. And it's like a montage scene to the song Suddenly I See. And she basically is just constantly crossing, like, zebra crossings in new york in new fabulous outfits and i kind of imagined it like that but with different nannies at the beginning so um yeah so at the beginning obviously i think we see two or three nannies in the film maybe Mm. another one uh but to have like an establishing the world song where we've set up that the kids are really naughty and we just kind of have nannies in and out in and out and it ends in chaos potentially with them boiling a baby like that kind of yeah, and they can be seeing about the different ways that they've gotten rid of different yeah, nannies exactly. and stuff, and yeah, and that offers up a reprise of that number later when nanny when they're talking about how they're going to get rid of nanny McPhee yeah. as well. Great, <laughs> so mm, lovely. Okay, right. So that's that's great as a starting point for like an establishing song, and then we can bring it back for that part. Um, who has? I guess the next question is like, who has wants in this that would then have like I want songs? I think Evangeline would have one, maybe. Evangeline, um, yeah. Because um, I think there could be one Mr. at the beginning Brown. that's kind of about like what she wants and it's kind of about Mr. Brown, but it's kind of also about like, we don't, we, you know, we're not here, we're not out here trying to make all women obsess about men in our musicals. It's 2021. Mm. Like Evangeline's out here for an education. And mm, that's yeah. what Emma Thompson was saying, right? Like, yeah, they got married in the end, but she was trying to read. And the whole decision uh, to send, to let Evangeline go uh, to live with the aunt instead it's because simon knew that actually she wants to get out of here and make a better life for herself so yeah. i think there's great sort of potential for a you know a big song for her at the beginning where it's kind of, you know maybe a little bit about how she's got a bit of a crush on mr brown but it's kind of about how she doesn't have the life that she wants because she doesn't have an education and then that's something that she gets has you know could come back again um but then obviously i think the main character is kind of simon right like yes yeah for sure like he has the clearest arc you know but what does he none of the kids are credited well they're credited but they're not like they're not in the credits scene are you kidding it's right well i guess they're all relatively unknown apart from um, simon right he'd been in love actually he had but wasn't he so thomas Brody sangster um who plays simon i swear i could be absolutely lying to you right now (laughs) but i swear he's 15 in nanny mcphee no i'm not i'm not i'm not shitting you you because there's always that thing where in Love Actually, he is... Why is so many Love Actually... Co- uh, well, Emma Thompson. Um, anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Because uh, there, there is that thing where him and... Uh, oh, what's her name? 17. She's 17 and he's... There's like no oh, age so difference between was, the child um, and... I think he... So Kira Knight, yeah. he was 17 in, when That's they filmed it. Love Actually. And Thomas Brody Sangster was 12. I think so. It's like five yeah, years. Yeah, he would have been right. So yeah. yeah, so I mean, yeah, he was fifteen. That's crazy. no, he's the same. So he was so he's fifteen. Yeah, I actually was at a pub with him uh, a couple of months ago. Not with him, watching him from a distance, a close <laughs> distance. Um, I was actually stalking him. <laughs> I was actually stalking <laughs> Thomas Brody Sangster as he sat by himself uh, and ate mussels and drunk beer. It was 
really cute. Yeah. So if you're listening, Thomas, hi. <laughs> I saw you. <laughs> Ah. Yeah, he is the main character. To get back to you can cut that. You can cut all this. Cut all this. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> It's just me um, shouting yeah, no, out the celebrities he... that I'm assuming listen to your podcast. Like, <laughs> I, I think he is the main character, but I, in some ways, like he, he doesn't really have like a. I mean, he doesn't want like to be nannied, and he and he wants, you know, to just be able to be a kid and not worry about. I don't know, but but at the same time, like he's not, it doesn't really have like a an, a want in the way that no, like, like he doesn't, he doesn't have this arc, and I think it's kind of like hinted at maybe that like yeah, I mean realistically, psychology hat on, he's like a kid who's just lost his mum and is terrified yeah. that his dad's just trying to. I mean, I'm sure like we so we see um, Mrs. Quickly, but there's she is like presented as the last resort. So we're assuming that there have been lots of other women who have been like potentials and the kids have kind of got rid of them every time because like it's that whole thing of, you know, losing a parent and feeling like you don't want that parent to be replaced, which is yeah. definitely where that whole thing is coming from, from Simon's point of view about not wanting Mrs. Quickly and obviously not understanding the financial necessity of of his dad remarrying um and also the whole thing of not having a nanny because not wanting another woman to come into the house and tell you what to do so i think as much as it's not quite there in the film because the film is like we said for kids i think watching that and i probably didn't pick up on it much as a kid but watching it as an adult i think you definitely think like he's just really struggle like there is a part of him that is just struggling to cope with this yeah. and doesn't want his life to change so i think there is you know you can make that more adult and you can make that character more fleshed out and developed yeah i guess i worry about vocalizing that in a song before like the three-quarter mark in the in the musical if that makes sense because that what's interesting about him is that we just see him as this like boyish like kid who just wants to like lead all of his siblings into being naughty kids but he doesn't want to face up to that so to admit that that what he wants is for his for his mum not to be replaced too early i think would break that part of the character for the audience but i think yeah, yeah. i think you could bring that into a song a, a, like a solo like three quarters of the way through before the wedding or something right yeah but i think i think earlier you have this thing where he has this like cover layer that he puts on yeah, that, yeah. right? So I think that's a I think that's the right assessment, is he? But then he says things like, um, Dad's changed uh, and he won't he used to he we used to be best mates and now when well, Evangeline says it to him, like you used to get on so well, now you don't. And it's like he's taking it out on his dad. And that cover of like, I don't like my dad anymore is a great like first act. Yeah, so you've got like a song. really sort of like boisterous, like angry, sort of teen angst kind of song or whatever that's all a bit like chaotic and you know there's like paint flying in the background and all the kids you know this is like maybe just before Nanny McPhee has come in or just after Nanny McPhee comes in and he's resisting her so you've got that set up there but then I think to really because really like can you name the other the other six kids like probably they are not named until that bit where she goes and names them all they're not (laughs) named 
Perfect. I was looking at the cast Fantastic. list and one of them is called Torah and I was just like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's so the one different. That's the one that's always like, no, stop, stop it. Stop oh, right. it, yeah, slightly, like, slightly yeah. older one, yeah. <laughs> stop it, um, But yeah, I think that's the thing. Like, we can't even, be- we, like, we can barely name the rest of the rest of the kids. So I think to really bring yeah, out, it'd be too many to really to, like, bring out Simon all, yeah. is important. So that conversation that yeah. he has, so the conversation uh, sort of, near the climax where he sits the kids down and says look like you will be sent to the workhouse i need to remarry i'm not doing this because i i don't miss your mum or love your mum or whatever like i have to do this for us to make that moment between just him and simon and for it to be a bit of a duet and have simon slightly open up a bit more about his feelings whether it's like out to the audience or to his dad or whatever would seem to be the right the right sort of balance between that like layer like jake said and, and this yeah i know i completely with you and i kind of think maybe actually those early songs uh it, it might be nice to have them like he he leads songs that like all of the kids get involved in but he's like the solo in those songs and maybe they join for the chorus and then it's only later when we begin to see that like it's almost like he uses his siblings as a shield as well, if that makes sense. Because whilst he's their big brother, he doesn't have to worry about all the other stuff. Yeah, I almost remembered it. It's I remembered it wrong, but I think I, I remembered it as like, Simon's in charge and Simon tells us all what to do. And actually, if it wasn't for Simon, all the kids would be like quite well behaved. And it's like all Simon's doing. Which yeah. I don't, it's not actually the case in the film, but that was how I remembered it, which I guess tells us. Yeah, something. no, that's, that's how yeah. I remembered it as well. But you've got, I think, especially in that first scene where they're all, where you've got like the, I'm assuming he's meant to be the nerdy one because they put him in glasses and a sweater vest or whatever, but. Yeah. And he makes bombs, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, he's actually dead now. Oh, what? He yeah. is, isn't he? He died tragically he died at the age of 25. Last, it, no, I think he died in like this time last year. Um, oh he was like quite a big yeah. um, climate activist. Yeah, he was like one of the leaders of XR. And then he he died whilst he was out jogging, collapsed. Yeah. Oh, like a heart defect or? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, like a heart or a brain thing, but like a sudden. Nothing to suggest before. Yeah, Yeah. it's crazy. Um, But no, anyway, so here's this character of the sort of the nerdy one who's under the table, who is like kind of an awful person. But like in my head, he wasn't in my head. Like like you said, Jake, in my head, it was like Simon, like, yeah, come on, let's let's throw this. Let's do this. And then actually, like, you know you get like all of them equally sort of horrific equally awful um but they do i guess they do all still respect the they respect simon because at the end of the day like it's simon who has the last the last say over whether they like like when he has to say when he has to say please to nanny mcphee for the first time like even though Mm. everyone else has said it until simon says simon says until simon (laughs) says it (laughs) <laughs> brain explodes that's why he's, that's called, why simon. he's called simon um, <laughs> until you can't do it unless simon says <laughs> baffling that is that is where this came from perfect this is actually it's not based on us matilda it's based on simon says we should start adapting um, nursery rhymes yeah, Great. honestly though that is there's a song there right that, oh my like, gosh maybe yes. the, the scene when simon goes to speak to nanny mcphee on his own we then also have a song where all the um all the other kids are to, uh, sing a song about simon says how they only do what simon tells them to do yeah perfect oh right i thought you it were going to talk about itself. the kitchen scene. it really does <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to tell. I thought you were going to talk about the kitchen scene and how there's that. I I can just. I don't know what it would be, but you'd have like you'd find some kind of musical yeah. theme 
that they're yeah. doing while they're in the kitchen and then she'll come in bang her stick and suddenly it's being played like at three times the speed and they, oh wow and yeah, it, like it's getting faster that. and faster this mute piece of yeah, music really cool while they yeah. have to do that it is that would be amazing cool. yeah yeah that would be very cool. and okay brilliant yeah <laughs> uh, yeah i think there's some ideas for songs that i don't think we need to like plan out every single musical no. number unless anyone has like any specific ideas i want that to be a song called warts and all oh that's so good um, that's the finale that's the finale brilliant yeah and maybe oh my god okay you don't know how to write a finale to a musical no no it's got to be one of those like pump it up not pump it up what do i mean i mean uh um papa that's it it's gonna be like um papa <laughs> Which is not the finale. Like, that's well, not no. the finale number. <laughs> no, um, but it no, is how I it goes. Anyway. It definitely... Um, so, warts and all, right? It happens in Act 1, and the okay. kids sing it about Nanny McPhee in a, like, derogatory way. Yes. Right? When they're like, we don't want this woman coming in. Like, you know, no, 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 warts and all, whatever. But actually, at the end, they love her, warts and all. Warts and all. Do you know what I mean? Oh, wow. Perfect. That's... Yeah, and, but then she doesn't have any warts. And and she's okay, so, so is, wow. this, is this the Are moment we... where we can talk about this? Yes. Because yes. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, so strikes me as highly kind of problematic, like now, to do something based on like beauty standards where, you know, she is ugly because yeah. she has two warts, a buck tooth and a big nose and I think maybe something else. She also like, gets like slim. Like, she's quite large. Oh yeah, and she has a monobrow. So those are the five yeah. facial yeah. features to represent the five the five lessons. Yeah, and she is she is slightly she's not like presented as ginormous, but you're no, right. No, no, she no. does she obviously is padded like and then they take away padding every time she, you know, they complete a lesson or whatever. And I think that like what what is that saying unless unless what you had is you have simon walks into her room and she's there like taking out a fake buck tooth and another (laughs) another set of pads (laughs) uh no sorry you're right though you are right i was just gonna say like if if you so say say we said that's what we wanted to do we wanted to do it like that how do you show that like nuanced like detail in like right. senior march theater like like right. realistically is am i a student who is like up a circle at the back am i gonna notice nanny mcphee's second walk coming off no no and also you can't make it magically fade via a of what is actually like a dissolve fade on the camera <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah uh yeah i think it comes from this like thing where again in the book she's like like certifiably a witch in the film it's kind of like ambiguous she's just like this magic person and then by by about two-thirds of the way through the film we all just accepted she's magic like that's not that's definitely not up for debate but we never go like other than that thing that eric the nerdy one says about her being a witch we never go like this is a witch and that's what she is but in the book i think having not read it the actual book but read stuff about the book she's like a witch right that's what she is and then there's this yeah. like thing around witches where they have this thing where like they are ugly apart from when they're using their magic for stuff that makes them look pretty well because, and, and they're ugly because they're so old yeah and, it, like, and like historically and it comes... it's it's when they eat children they become young oh, and beautiful again i didn't know that and so right. the idea is that the the, the the kind of flip is that like with if the children are all nice and do what they're told and learn their lessons then that she becomes young and beautiful right Right, I see. So, right, so that's so, she, and what I assume what Emma Thompson did was was be like, right, well, that's what happens in the books, I assume. So I'll do it here. Um, 
but yeah i i agree that like i don't like you said izzy i don't think it does anything like it doesn't tell us anything other than that the lessons are complete yeah so what is it saying that like actually they realized she was a beautiful nice person all along because she was yeah. helping them like it's i don't think you need we'll say like you don't need them right you don't need these warts you don't need yeah. all of these things but that is nanny mcphee and that is a noticeable part of it so is there like another way of of doing that or showing that that isn't so i don't know and it would also feel like you know definitely wouldn't give her padding or anything like that but is it saying is it saying like everyone with warts is ugly like what are we saying that like you're better off without warts like you know it just seems to be Mm. slight i don't know i would feel like i would feel slightly uncomfortable i I think that the and the the key to the transformation right is that it goes from needing nanny mcphee to wanting nanny mcphee right and i think that that's wrapped up in a physical transformation because she becomes more desirable exactly right which is which is incredibly problematic yeah um well i do just think that you don't need that element and anymore and bringing it to the stage we just don't need that and i kind of like this idea that that it's a sort of it's a Mary Poppins, but like, you know, th- her value is in how good she is at teaching the children these lessons and, uh, and, and her magic and, you know, all of that mystery that comes with her rather than she needs to be beautiful and sing beautifully and do all these amazing things as well. Cause it's yeah. also never, never addressed. Right. Like, right. Yeah. They, I think the, the, the blonde girl, the one, yeah, the one who's always like, no, stop it. She Lily. notices <laughs> Lily. Thank you. Um, she notices the wart and mentions it to the rest of the kids and says, like, yeah. guys, she had, she had two warts. And then I think when the second wart disappears, it, like, zooms in on the wart, fading, so, so then flips to Simon's face where we see him, like, get, like, a furrowed brow, looking slightly confused, back to the wart where there is no longer a wart, and then back to Simon's face. And that's it. Like, yeah. it, it is never resolved. There is never, like, a conversation where the kids are, like, oh, like, Nanny McPhee's beautiful at the end. There's this thing, I can't remember which musical it is, but there's definitely a musical where there's, like, this thing in the film or in the book or whatever that in the musical is not there at all except the song has, like, the lyrics that acknowledge that that was a thing, right? And I, it's really annoying because there's, like, an example that's somewhere in my head and I don't know what it is where I could be like, like this. But as it is, I'm just kind of not saying anything. But what I mean is, is actually, <laughs> I think I think your idea, Izzy, of like having this song called Warts and All is like enough of a like, we acknowledge that in the film, we have this whole Warts thing going on. But actually, other than talking about Warts and All in these songs, we're not going to do that. And I think and that's also, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in the song, if you do it where it's like, we love Nanny McPhee Warts and All as well, it's acknowledging that, don't need her to become beautiful in this version of the story. Yeah, perfect. You know, by that yeah. convention of beauty. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we've established that that issue. Should we move on to another issue? And perhaps magic. that issue should be... Well, magic is maybe broader. I was going to go for animals. I was going to go animals. for donkey. The donkey. Magic could... and animals. Let's start with the donkey and we'll work our way into the rest, I guess. All right. <laughs> donkey us up, Izzy. I've already said, basically, <laughs> I'm I'm happy for it to be a pantomime horse. Yeah. yeah. Like, do you know what? Like, is this a war horse puppet? No, it's not. Do you know? No. Like, of course it's not a war horse, like, donkey. Uh. I think, like, I don't know. I think, is it, like, a Parks and Rec, Lil Sebastian beamed in horse? You know, we don't know. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> no, I don't know. Like, some sort of... Pat- like, yeah, is it... 
I, I don't know about this donkey. Do we teach a donkey to dance and sing? And do we? Join the do we? Can we? Yes. Can we? Um, <laughs> yes, no, and yes. Okay. One of the kids is a certified donkey trainer. Yes. And works very... <laughs> One of the kids is a certified donkey. <laughs> donkey, yeah. <laughs> no, I was... <laughs> not what i was gonna say um so one of the kids works really closely with the donkey um look okay i have i have actually had some quite close encounters with donkeys um so are you saying misha in los angeles shout out to misha in los angeles saying Um, you want to audition for this show no what i'm saying is what i'm saying is is that um donkeys cannot be controlled (laughs) and there is absolutely no way we're even entertaining this thought <laughs> i i think um, pantomime horse is the way to go right um and it's it kind of fits the goofiness of of that whole that moment is so weird and it's just like this weird cgi donkey weird, yeah. in the film and it's so wonky we, and... keep, we keep getting these shots through <laughs> the glasses of the um of on adelaide that are just they're just blur there's nothing they're nothing and it's like yeah. well that's what we can see but the point of the glasses for Aunt Adelaide should be that she can see when she looks in the glasses <laughs> that's problematic I think it's one of those props like I love I love that with like a prop that is just like I don't know if you know like it's just a, com- like a prop that's completely like it doesn't work I don't know if you noticed it with um okay so Mrs Quickly's house um this is to do with animals as well so it is it is not that much of a tangent mm-hmm. but Mrs mm-hmm. Quickly's house when they've realized they've had the conversation with the dad about the money and they have to go to the house to beg her to come back and say sorry it was us messing it all up and she's there yeah. like gossiping with her friend about it and she's got this lamb on her lap right this <laughs> Wait, this what? is like we're talking oh, like yeah there's lambs it's I like about rigor lambs. mortis shit this lamb has four <laughs> legs that are straight out and it's just like <laughs> like it is just plonked on her lap like with all its limbs rigid and she's like stroking it and then she gets up to answer the door to the kids the lamb goes falling to the floor and then the camera follows her and we just hear like that is that is it like i had to i literally had to remind it because i was like surely they have not put a dead fake lamb on her lap and then then made it bar i I have no memory of this whatsoever it was so so... two days ago (laughs) no it's really um it's not a big part i think when celia imry's there in like this big pink dress in this ridiculous like dolores umbridge style yeah yeah like living room the the stiff lamb is not the, like it's not the biggest concern like it's not it's not where your eye naturally goes so i understand yeah. it's weird because yeah because i guess that introduces when the wedding is later shepherd themed yes um, because she loves uh, yeah, that reminds me yeah. they do this weird thing where one of the characters goes the girls are shepherdesses i don't know what the boys are as if <laughs> as if shepherds are only women brilliant that's very odd it's a fun subversion <laughs> yeah there, yeah. yeah i guess Amazing. so i guess that's what it is I, I guess i didn't realize that's what it was i was just like wait what that's <laughs> because this is joke. the thing like okay so we've got this donkey that's a pantomime horse essentially yeah we've got the stiff lamb which i am insisting makes it into the musical <laughs> because it's so dumb and then the shepherd take theme... my stiff lamb <laughs> and then the shepherd theme wedding like yeah. I, I'm imagining, I want it to be identical to the film. I'm talking yeah, lambs yeah. on wheels that you can pull along the floor as if nice. you're walking like you know those people who walk like eight dogs at a time, yes. like that, but with but with lambs. Oh, okay. I was thinking of like you know when you could get those like wooden 
dogs where like they would be like a it would be like a stuffed dog like not a stuffed dead dog but like a it would be a teddy dog but it would be very rigid because it would be on wood and then the back would be wheels how much and you could, taxidermy like, drag it along. is in this production because, like, like, we're gonna slaughter a hundred yeah. dogs and then stuff them all right and well so we've got stage. pantomime horse we've established we're having rigor mortis dead laps, <laughs> rigor mortis laps. right yeah. so now we've got We've got the pig. The pig, yeah. Oh, I, then they dress up, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what's the pig? That one, pig. They are that one will do, it'll be a robot pig. <laughs> I think each of them got be a different kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, like a, like a canine kind of thing. Yeah, thinking, yeah, I, yeah. In yeah, all yeah. seriousness, I'm thinking puppet the same way they do it in um in uh, Beetlejuice, where it's just like a puppet pig. Yeah, okay. I, I like uh, that. Honestly, it could just be a pig plushy toy that they dress up and then just carry yeah. on and carry off. Like, it yes. just, I feel like. Especially if we're, if we're moving it to like a town setting where we, so we can have a chorus. Mm. Yes. Then that does read, we don't have as many like well, farmyard animals. More of a village setting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. a very rural. Yeah, right. Rural, there is a big difference between a town and a village. Come on, Jake. Yes. Um, <laughs> of course. Goddamn city people. <laughs> um, uh, these two are both from Cornwall, so they're, they're judging. What's on to my yeah. Cornish brothers? Um, <laughs> just for the Cornish listeners. Hi. For our many Cornish for listeners. Many, many Cornish listeners. I will make my Cornish family listen to this podcast, so yeah. What's um, uh, anyway, okay, so fine pig. Okay, are we kind of done with animals now? Because I'm like, there's a frog, there's uh, worms, there's a tarantula. Oh, yeah, but the way they do worms, right? Hands. The That's way they brave. do worms in films is they, they get like, like strawberry laces, but the cola version, and then they yeah. like rub them in like um, water and icing sugar, and then they put them in like food dye to make them look that color. Huh. And it makes them look kind of wriggly and like lumpy and stuff like worms. So you I just do that. My main worry with this is that like a lot of this is so good, but like, that these are these are tiny props right do you know right, what i mean right, that we can't yeah. so it would in my head it might have to be like a really exaggerated like that whole sequence it's got to be a, it's got to be a song um yeah. where you yeah. can use like yeah, sort absolutely. of really right, so like, they're not big, worms they're snakes they're sn- <laughs> perfect. um but they're big like we use big like it could be really like stylized we have big props maybe you use shadow who knows maybe it's like a shadow puppet situation and we see the tarantula like come down mm. we see this like you know and they're doing it slightly in the dark and they've got like lamps or something so they turn off the lights as one of their little pranks and then we see what looks like snakes go towards her but it is just them with with worms in front of like you know that i'm just troubleshooting the worms no 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 yeah. i'm with you yeah, i yeah. i think even doing that whole sequence as like a shadow puppetry sequence like all happening behind a screen could be quite interesting yeah i can't mm. yeah that would be quite well cool. again this like whole thing that that is based around where it's like oh no you can't like he is like the her we are told that mrs quickly thinks that she's trying to like just like have sex with her right there and then on the floor Right? Which I want to milk the absolute shit out of, can I say? I was, like, to be honest, I was going to say... the raunchiest scene that any kid will have seen in their entire life. Yeah, Every kid Jake... is going to leave like with the parent's hand over their eyes, like, son, daughter, like, look away now. Like, perfect. Well, earlier when you were saying, like, this is entirely directed at children, that scene is barely directed at children. So I'm not like, being funny, so but we here. have Colin Firth, burying his head into Celia Imrie's boobs, yet we <laughs> cannot have a glance between him and his future wife. Yeah, like, I know. Yeah, yeah, come it's on. Odd. It's a and pure it's, love between him and Evangeline, though. That's whereas the whole thing, it's just right? a, a physical 
physical attraction. Between... <laughs> no, 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 the idea is that there is no physical attraction. There that's is no physical attraction. No, yeah. but it's just it's, a... It's fabricated. So or, it's yeah. I think it's... But I get what you mean by like... But, I, is it, but that's not for adults in the sense that like it's not that funny for adults. It's I like know, it's kind of the funny. jokes are for kids, but what's happening <laughs> is not quite passed by the kids, if that makes sense. Well, that's true. Um, I mean, like if you see a man like face plant a woman's boobs, like as a kid, that's, that's, that's funny. Uh, like as an yeah. adult woman, I'm like, slap him. Um, <laughs> you know, which, she like, does, you know, which she does which she does like i'm like yeah. pop off queen but like you know n- not as a kid i'm finding it very funny so i think i think yeah and i think obviously that happens a lot in the film like there is a lot of physical kind of like slapstick, slapstick. Yeah. and yeah. you i don't think you might have to take like just not do it for as long in film mm. You know, yeah, uh, in in theatre rather, slapstick um, lends itself well to musical as well, right? Yeah, yeah. that yeah. idea of choreography and making yeah, all absolutely. of it fit to music will be fun. Yeah, I think this. Yeah, it works really well. I think. Um, yeah, before we get onto magic, there's one more non-magic thing, which is just for five minutes they just go to a beach and fly kites. Oh yes. yeah, yeah, um, they yeah. Do. I think we could just cut it. I think, we or like cut not it. cut it, but like put it somewhere else. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's just that or the only information that needs to be revealed is the fact that their dad is, you know, inviting the, the uh, quickly over for tea the next day. So you just put that information elsewhere. It's yeah. At the end. Or, of the but scene the other information we get is that like that that scene to me is like this relationship has now settled where the children respect Nanny McPhee and they ask her questions like they right. respect her as an adult and yeah. then they get on with their lives. Um, which actually I kind of don't like because at that point it seems like they want her but don't need her. But we're we've still got half an hour of the film left. I guess they still. Um, maybe they weren't saying their pleases and thank yous, though. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Well, maybe no, they... it seems to me like to me the idea is is that the children kind of have learned, but the lessons the adults still need to learn lessons. Like the Deep. lesson that's like to yeah. listen. That's not that's not Simon. That's him. That's Colin Firth yeah. learns the lesson to listen, right? which he yeah. only really learns like at the wedding. Right, yeah, where, yeah, where yeah. he looks back at Simon, who is swatting the imaginary bees, mm. yeah, and has that little look with his son, and then punches yeah. his his wife to be in the face. Well, uh, yeah, and and that whole that whole conversation at the end, where the kids are like, "No, you will marry," and he's like, "Who?" That whole conversation. If we don't have the bit where he lies to them for ages, and then it all goes wrong, and he's like, "I won't lie to you anymore," then. They he just goes like piss off go away like in in that moment do you know what I mean yeah like yeah. that that establishes the the rapport between the kids and him that he is able to have that conversation with them which is very good it's nice it's good writing yeah um, <laughs> yeah right. so we'll just move the beach to the house uh, magic what well, literally the only thing I'm actually thinking about is just is there a way that we can attach some kind of pyro to the bottom of her stuff so that whenever she absolutely it, it has to sparks. has to be done or like something i don't there know there must be a way of doing that some sort Does of it, big I, lighting like maybe yeah. it's like a like a bit of a blackout situation and the staff like lights mm. up like mardi color um for no, me like orange part of the part of the reason why i find this film so endearing is because it is a little bit pre-cgi right like all of the magic effects pretty much are practical and then the bits that are CGI are like the kind of the medicine, which doesn't look very real. And then these like bits of sparks that fly out from her. And to me, those are like drawback pieces. And I, I'm. But if you to... could do that practically, would it not be? Maybe, fun? but I don't know. Because again, it's like it brings it more towards the pantomime side of things where you're like, bang, oh, fire. I don't know. Well, no, I feel but not like if this it's kind done of... well. Like, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is like incredible on stage magic. 
you know right like right. the fact that we can do that now whereas like even like five years ago like you know a bit more maybe like we couldn't do it in the same way as as mm. shows like harry potter and the cast child are doing but i think and, and how long how long has that been around i don't know like at least four years probably right yeah, yeah. so right. like i mean and that i guess is is like developing all the time like there will definitely be stuff you can do that's cool. I mean, how how do we feel about the? Ma- I guess it falls under under the magical the magical bracket. The fact that it suddenly snows uh, in the wedding and, and snowing in August. In August, <laughs> obviously, it starts snowing. Uh, one of my favorite theatrical moments in that film is when uh, Evangeline's Evangeline says, "Oh, so she's dropped the posh uh, the posh accent." Yeah. Uh, so she stopped saying like. And is speaking all like weird, is back to herself and is like, Oh, Nanny McPhee, I can't get married dressed like this. And, yeah. you know, and then Nanny McPhee looks up and it's snowing, and suddenly her dress just like turns from this blue dress covered right. in like cake stains and profiteroles into like a, it's like, it's like a RuPaul's Drag Race reveal moment where like, this is how I'm imagining we would do it, by the way, where she has one dress on and I mean, it's it's a hundred percent possible because they do it on Drag Race every week. But then something something pulls down, and it's a brand like new white. Yeah, the dress. like Let It Go style almost like Let It Go, but more RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, that's I, what yeah, I yeah, 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 right, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah, because that's the only moment of CGI in the film that actually like does anything that's important to the plot. If that makes sense. Yeah, do Colin first yeah. trousers change color? I think everyone. Everyone Everyone's changes costume becomes, because yeah. which they do by they literally cut away to a shot of like this house from far away that's snowing and then they cut back to what is clearly like a different and everyone's day of in filming. white, right? Yeah, um, because which, everyone well, is, fine, is but... everyone is in white from head to toe because famously at weddings everyone every single guest yes, wears yes. white from head. Everyone to toe. has to look exactly like the bride, including the ground. Perfect. <laughs> but no, it's fun. And I think, yeah, it's very expensive to say everyone does a quick quick change. So maybe we just change Evangeline. Yeah. Yeah. We don't yeah. yeah. We kind of cut away from the wedding at that point. We we cut to Nanny McPhee leaving. Which that's an interesting thing to mention is like we can't do that. We can't be like camera leaves the scene where everyone's having fun and we realise we'd we moved to somewhere else. For for that ending, so like, how do you think? Do you think it just ends in like a big? I think number, maybe like, this is so this yeah. is this is warts and all the reprise, right? Warts and all right? Two, so the warts and all the reprise. <laughs> so it comes back. Uh, it's a big old <laughs> big old knees up. Everyone's having a fantastic time, yeah. and maybe Nanny McPhee sings for the first time in the show yeah. and has Ooh. a verse a la Judy Dench at the end of Cats. Do you know what I mean? Like she. I don't, don't, I don't know what you mean, but I'm you must, gonna, you have, you I have, you're I am telling horrified me. by the idea that you have, cats. you have, I don't you have, you have taken, <laughs> you have taken horrible. Cats, the film, and you've said, yes, that's the definitive version of Cats. <laughs> 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 no, it works more. Okay, okay, so, so being yes. the worst, the worst thing to happen in like 2019 aside, yeah. Cats, the movie, so if neither of you have seen it, I will explain what, what I'm talking about here. So Judy Dench as I don't even know like big old fluffy cat or like whatever, <laughs> whatever she's, she's called. She's the I one that's know. like she's yeah, the one that decides who, who goes to the Heaverside layer. Like as in like. All right, yeah. okay. So now you're a cat's expert. Fine, right? <laughs> well, anyway, Judy Dench in the big fluffy. So she's in a big fluffy outfit, and she's the one in charge. Whatever. Like she's kind of there throughout the film, but very much like a token character. Like her and Ian McKellen just there because they're there and they're famous. And then the last five minutes of the movie is just Judy Dench turning directly to the camera, 
breaking the fourth wall and delivering a monologue. Like, and it is completely jarring with the rest of the film, doesn't fit in with anything that's happened, and it is arguably the most uncomfortable five minutes I've ever spent in a cinema. Old Deuteronomy is the name of the character. Old Deuteronomy. There we go. There we go. Um, it's kind of amazing that something as jarring as Cats could have something jarring at the end of Cats as <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> I remember, like, I literally remember it being one of the only times being sat in a cinema where people are laughing because they're so uncomfortable and, like, hearing just kind of like a ripple of laughter around the cinema of everyone being like, oh, I really thought this couldn't get any lower than, than we'd already hit, but then, then James Jason Derulo as a cat, but apparently, yes, we can. It's Judy Dent <laughs> dressed, dressed in fur, breaking the fourth wall in the last five minutes for no reason. I definitely, li- I do like the idea of Nanny McPhee singing at the end. And I was thinking earlier when we were discussing like the sort of, you know, her transformation physically, I was thinking, is there a way of instead of doing a physical tran- transformation, you have like, as the musical goes on, she becomes more involved with the family. And so she becomes more musical in a way, like maybe she whistles along to something earlier and one of the kids is like huh what and then maybe she dances along so she, something okay. and, then the, and then at the end she goes full blown and full blown actor musician mm. she's got a guitar and here we go for the big yeah, finale yeah, like. yeah. well this is this is why like this is why it's not Mary Poppins for me right Mary Poppins brings the music and that's yeah. like the whole idea is that she brings the music whereas whereas <laughs> Nanny McPhee is not the music and like that, that to me that's why they're so different sorry that just came into my head right so so she sings and then we say like that's it that's like bam but she, and then but I just I like this so idea I think she she's needs to there leave and she's silent so like she's there and she's silent like we have like a big I, I am imagining it to be like a song that goes on for forever like where you keep thinking this is it but it's it's not one of those finale songs that like keeps cutting to dialogue so we've got like a verse and then we've got like a new character like and we're tying up all the loose ends like we're we're fixing all these relationships whatever and nanny mcphee tries to slip away maybe maybe simon notices her and then we have a little conversation between nanny mcphee and simon and she says you know you want me but you no longer need me and then he manages to like and she and he's like don't go without saying goodbye nanny mcphee and then he manages to drag her back on and she sings this, maybe she just sings to Simon and then she comes back, you know, with everyone else and she's sat with the other old people enjoying the festivities. I don't know. Or she sings her verse with everyone and is yeah. actually involved. I think those are the two Yeah, I, I quite like this idea as well that it's like Simon persuades her to kind of like break that rule a bit and say like, no, 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 you do all of this for us. Now you get to enjoy the wedding with us and it's just a party and we can have fun. And it's like... Nanny McPhee gets to have that moment for herself as well. And uh, that'd be nice as well as if she gets to sing that bit, I would Simon or to everyone, but then just like can fade into the background of the party that's going on anyway. Mm. So you don't even make it like the very last thing. And so she can, it's like that thing of, yeah, that, you know, in the end she can be a normal person enjoying. Yeah. I I still think, uh, I still think she should leave, but I'm imagining like she's done this bit and they've had that kind of final moment of like reconciliation with Nanny McPhee. They've tied up that ending and then, you know, big like final chorus or whatever. Everyone sort of moves, maybe everyone moves downstage or something and we just see Nanny McPhee. Maybe there's some sort of big set piece backstage. Maybe we've got a staircase in at this point. I don't know. But, or everyone starts to drift upstage and we see Nanny McPhee 
She's she just downstairs and off. There's this famous away. image of her in the window, right? Where you see her silhouette in the window. Yeah. Yes. So she could, we could create that at the end, and then she could turn and, and walk away. That's quite nice. I just, yeah. I, I do really like the theme of um, when you need me but do not want me, then I must stay. But when you want me but no longer need me, then I must go. I, I do really yes, like that. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I, I do. At the end, they the all end. come forward, but then curtain comes down. And the curtain is a huge painting of the door <laughs> with the silhouette painted on. Okay, what about what about this? So in the yeah. so in the final song, we've got the speech happening like in between. Simon at some point notices that Nanny McPhee is missing, so he mm. runs up to her room to see if she's there. So and we have the house which is behind. So then mm. we then we're focusing on the house and we have that little conversation that's just between the two of them. So it's a bit more private or whatever. And then she, or maybe she sings to him and says, like, I'll be down in a minute or something. And she never quite rejoins. So it's as if she doesn't rejoin the group. He goes back down. And then maybe there's a moment where, so it's a window. So from the outside, maybe we can see a window or something and have that famous window. Simon turns around, looks back up. Nanny McPhee's like smiling at him from the window. And then suddenly, very woman in black again, she, she's gone. <laughs> Like and we have Ooh, her, yeah. and then she's gone, and she's because she's banged her little stick, and off she's gone. Yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, how about we have like the traditional, like everyone singing together, final chorus, da 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 da, button. Everyone's got their hands in the air, da da. But then instead of like cutting to black like it would normally, it cuts to like spotlight on Nanny McPhee up there in the attic where we've put her, like you've just described. And then we hear the like creak sound effect, and then it bangs, and then final blackout, and it's like she's gone. Because does she's actually work? just dived we, on... We not... No, it's perfect. And she's dived on the floor. <laughs> she's, full, like... <laughs> she's, full of, she's had a fall. Nanny McPhee's had a fall in the attic. Someone call help. And then cut to black anyway. So that's kind of... That's our final scene. Yeah. I'd like to know where the interval goes. Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. yeah, I think the interval goes at the point... I have no idea where this is, like... I, I didn't stop to pay attention when I was watching it, but um, I think the bit where, or maybe it should come before here, I don't know. For me, the bit where, oh, the, the carriage which takes Evangeline off, yeah. the carriage which we haven't spoken about, but that bit where we have this like manic sort of chase scene where, you know, and the stakes, I mean, in Nanny McPhee, the stakes are rarely high, high. But like at this moment, there is a point where you feel, you know, like you feel like Mr. Brown's absolute desperation because he thinks that one of his kids has been taken away from him. Mm. And then we obviously cut to that shot of Evangeline sat in the back of the carriage, which to me seems like a bit of a showstopper moment for, for act one, because as the audience, you don't know who it is either. Mm. I don't yeah. have no idea where that comes, but I think, I don't know. I think that's quite big. That, that, I think that that would be around the, I think, that must be around I the two third so. mark, right? Well, yeah, because then I'm thinking it is because then she has to be away for, she's then away for long enough that it's a big deal when she comes back. And I think if you leave that moment to act two, which is obviously going to be shorter than act one anyway, Mm. then I don't think she'll be like, I I think the audience need to kind of like go into the interval thinking, oh my God, what happens to Evangeline? So that they come back in with act two, they've kind of forgotten about her with whatever happens in our big fabulous opening number and then she comes back and she's a different person i think that's harder to achieve if if it's if it's done in the same act maybe yeah for sure for sure yeah um yeah i I think that's a really good place to put it for sure 
about about how we do that i reckon so he does it so he's in the film colin firth for some reason assumes it's the youngest daughter um apart from uh the baby and runs after her screaming that name and then we reveal but i think in the play if you had like a walking down the audience on adelaide and then this woman like dressed in like kind of black covering her face so you can't mm. see her sort of thing then if we make it one of the children he's he thinks it's one of the children that is about the same size as evangeline well, although none could, of them are but well but we can just we can change it yeah, yeah. <laughs> like about like i don't know but then but then i'm thinking but you could do that but then when the, you when you do the reveal then like either like no, not the problem with theater is that like if i'm at the back of the circle I'm not yeah, going to get that reveal. Just will not see yeah. It. yeah. I, so, w- I wonder, yeah. is there a way of having had, you know, again, like this whole thing being like a doll's house. And if this is the moment where like we're, we're going into the interval, is there a way where like Colin Farrell can be running after Colin Farrell the front? The, oh my goodness. Colin Farrell. This thing, and I was about to go, oh yeah, obviously, we, you know, we'll recast for the stage version, but yeah. But also, oh, okay, on oh, this, shit. on this, yeah. very oh quickly, shit, my daughter's like, gone. <laughs> would, I mean, this is a separate point, but would we, would we recast for the stage version? Absolutely not. Thomas Brody Sangster still looks 12, <laughs> even though he's 30. Dumb. Like, yeah. just shave off the goatee that he got for Queen's Gambit and he's right back in that role. Sure. <laughs> Colin like running to the front of the stage thinking and then because the, when he finds out he actually finds out because all of his children come out and are like don't worry dad we're all here yeah right so you could have him be like oh we're all here and then he's walking he, they're walking him back into the house and as he's walked back into the house we have like the whole doll's house like close up again for the end of the act mm. and then you have evangeline and aunt adelaide like can walk across the front of the stage in front of the whole house as if, yeah, as if leaving. And then you could do the reveal that way, maybe? Yeah, essentially, I kind of, it kind of has to not be a reveal. It kind of has to be, uh, oh. Well, and it can be a reveal, but the reveal can't be with her face. The reveal has to be with words. No, the reveal would be her coming on stage with Aunt, Aunt Adelaide. Yeah, I mean, and obviously she'll yeah. need to say right. something, but it kind of can be because, like, she's, I mean, despite, like, I mean, the others will be, will be kids, so, like, or short adults, right? So we were like, you know, they will, and they, so whatever happens, Colin Firth, comes out all the kids come to him and as an audience we're like count the kids or whatever we know how many there there is and he's like oh great i've got all my kids few and they kind of yeah go back into the house and it closes up and then we see aunt adelaide come on follow uh, you know she comes on halfway it's a classic like looks back and is like come on dear and then um we see someone in like a, she wears a uh, Evangeline is wearing sort of like a hooded cloak. That's yeah. what she's wearing in the carriage anyway. So she's wearing this, and you know she, she uh, so she's like coming, coming on Adelaide or whatever. Bends down like to pick up her suitcase. She puts her hood down, and it's obviously her. One wistful final look at the audience, and the curtain comes down. <laughs> we can like, hear her theme. I think that would tell the audience that it's yeah, yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. Well, yeah. she can even sing like a, a like a one line reprise of her "I Want" song. Right? Oh, nice! I'm gonna Absolutely. go learn literature, which is that, yes. is that, oh which my, is what the title oh of the song God. will be. I, I want to go learn literature. I'm Evangeline, <laughs> and I'm gonna go learn literature, and that's yeah. what she sings. Final line of the first. Uh, 
I and I like that because at the beginning it's called like I wanna go learn literature and at the end it's yeah. called I want to learn literature. I would like I would to like go to learn, learn, learn the literature. Please, please, yeah. please may I learn please may I be learned of the literature. Be learned of the, be learned <laughs> of the literature. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Brilliant. So is there anything else that is on our minds about this? Or do we think we have a kind of good base that we'd run from? I mean we've we what we have done is we've kind of said we've said like yes to the plot right we've not really said we don't like this bit or we've apart from the the like warts effect we've pretty much otherwise said we're taking the film and we're going to put it on the stage we've not like fiddled with anything yeah yeah no and i think i don't know i think to a certain extent like because it is a kid's film and it's silly Mm. like we're not trying to make it more serious we're not trying to make it more like believable Mm. because or, or whatever like we've addressed the the problematic nature of like the the beauty standards in Nanny McPhee. Apart mm. from that, I think I think it's a like it's a nice story and I think to cut out any of it or to change it is is not necessary really. Lovely. We've done it once again. Every week, every week we try and every week we succeed. Just Perfect. about apart yeah. from the love actually episode. Yes, we, we did, did fail. We week. did fail in the last episode. Um we did. <laughs> um anyway, uh Izzy what you got going on at the moment? Anything to tell us about? Anything to sell tickets for? I mean, it's a pandemic, so probably not. It but is like, a pandemic. What's going on? Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I'm obviously at drama school doing the, the directing thing. Um, and because of our, because of COVID, um, stuff I do might be, might be recorded, uh, might be out there on the web for you to watch, in which case you can find it on Twitter. Awesome. Um, and w- what is your Twitter and et cetera handles? Twitter at Izzy Paul underscore. Yeah, I would say it's it's a fun, fun place to be. My Twitter. Give me a follow. <laughs> yeah. Just because we've just been talking about musical theatre, your Twitter name isn't Izzy Paul, the word underscore. It is, it is Izzy Paul, <laughs> <laughs> the, the character uh, underscore. It is Izzy um, Paul, uh, character <laughs> underscore. My my header is is the picture of, uh, if, if anyone's going to be, be finding me, my header is the picture of Ron Weasley in the blue car flying in the Chamber of Secrets looking really scared. That's how you know it's me. It's right. important, <laughs> it, it, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Caleb, where can people find you online? Uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterbox that Caleb Lebster, C A L E B L E B S T E R. And Jake, where can people find you online? I am on Twitter and Letterbox at Jake Reesh. That's J A K E R E E S H. And this is the Maybe You Like It podcast, and we are Maybe You Like It production. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Maybe You Like It. That's with the letter U. Or on Facebook at Maybe You Like It Productions. That's with the word U. Or you can visit our website at www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Or drop us an email at info at maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. And you can drop us an email about your thoughts about this, about any other episode, about yeah, how we might Emma Thompson, better. drop us an email. Yes. We'll, we'll link up with Izzy afterwards. Like, just drop us an email. Yeah, like Emma, info. when you do yeah. want me to assist this production, um, I am I am freelance from July, so just just hit me up. <laughs> yeah, and uh, whoever's producing it, um, hit me up for the rights. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Izzy, for coming on. Yes, thank you for coming on. I look forward to having you back for Devil Wears Prada. Yes, right. we will actually. This do that. is yeah. This is I would say not just necessary for me as a cathartic process, but like you, yeah. you are missing out on one of the greatest films liked by people everywhere. So okay. <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you liked that. Maybe you didn't. I can't think of anything to say. I did say I did knock. I didn't knock. (laughs) 
Well, not like that. I'm so, not going to do a clean one. That's it. That's all. No, I'm do getting. a clean one, please. I did knock. You, there's no. You didn't. You I know, did knock. That was a Maybe You Like It production. Maybe you liked it. Maybe you didn't. That was a Maybe You Like It production. Maybe you liked it. Maybe you didn't.